rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over the Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. This is Superman, Superman in the, the Bronze Age. Age. episode of Superman in the Bronze Age. I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, and today I'm fighting a bit of a cold. But that's okay, because this is the first episode I've been able to record since the birth of my son. Yes, on July 23rd, at about 5.06 p.m. Central Time, Grayson Niemeyer was born, and he's a happy little boy. He's already sleeping through the night, thank goodness, and we are just so happy to have him. As such, I'm going to try to keep this beginning part kind of short, because the other part was already pre-recorded. So, real quick, we're going to jump over into emails. And the first, well, the only one we've got is from, you'll never guess who. I'll leave it till the end. He writes, Hi, Charlie. First off, congratulations to you and your wife on the birth of your son. Thank you. I know you've been waiting what probably seems forever for this moment. I'm very happy for you both. Well, thank you. Superman 335 was a great listen. Your synopsis really did it justice. Sorry that the hostess ad was a repeat. I love hearing you do them. I haven't had the nerve to do one yet. Of course, the ones in DC Comics Presents have been the non-superhero ones so far. I think issue 5 is the Penguins on Parade one. I'll probably just cut and paste the one uh, Scott Gardner and Michael Bailey did on Tales of the JSA. Hope they don't mind. You mentioned that Marty Pasco did Superman 335 and then didn't have another one until 349. Do you know why this was? If memory serves, I believe 335 and 349 tie in together somehow. Oh well, can't wait to listen. All the best. Russell Bragg. Well, thank you for writing, Russell. I am not sure why Marty disappeared for a while. Uh, My only guess could be uh, he decided it was time to move on, maybe? Or... Julie decided it was time for him to move on. Um, You know, it wasn't too long after this that he was going to be starting up Swamp Thing, and he might have had some other stuff. He might have just been getting too busy. I am not completely sure. And I've been kind of busy, so I didn't have a chance to look anything up about it. Sorry. But, uh, yes, the two issues do tie together, uh, but I'm not going to let you know how that is until you hear the synopsis and stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry about the... Hostess ads. I do have another new one this time, so you should be happy about that. Russell might be taking some of the ones I've done, which is just fan-frickin-tastic. Anyway, 
Uh, thank you again for writing, Russell. And when we come back, we'll get to Superman number 349. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. My name is Bob Fisher, and I host a podcast called Superman Forever Radio. In every episode, I'll take an aspect of this character's long history and talk about it. From 1938 to the present day, from the comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, Superman has been part of my life for over 50 years. And if you'd like to know why, join me for each and every episode of Superman Forever Radio. So point your favorite podcatcher to Superman Forever Radio. That's Superman Forever Radio. SupermanForever.com time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com. We would be honored if you would join us. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Alright, Superman number 349 had a cover date of July 1980, an on-sale date of April 7th, 1980, and a cover price of 40 cents. The title of the story is The Turnabout Trap, written by Marty Pascoe, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Frank Schermonte, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Adrian Roy, and edited by Julie Schwartz. Returning from an interstellar mission in space, Superman heads back to Earth just in time for Clark to report to work. In the years since the last issue we covered, Clark has returned to the Daily Planet on a part-time basis, which is why the next thing we see is Clark heading into the city room of the Daily Planet to be greeted by a receptionist that he doesn't recognize. Surprisingly, the receptionist says he's been there for two years and has never heard of Clark Kent. So, frustrated and thinking that there's a misprint on the personnel file, Clark just kind of barges into the city room, where editor Penny White asks Jenny Olsen and Lewis Lane if they have seen Kent anywhere. But when they say they haven't seen her, she basically sends them back to work. Confused, Clark leaves the WGBS building but spots a window washer falling from the building. He slips into a nearby alley to change the Superman, but before he can even undo his tie, the window washer is saved by Superwoman, 
who then flies off. Figuring that he must have somehow passed through a gateway to an alternate dimension where the male and female roles were reversed, he changes to Superman while checking in on the JLA satellite with his supervision, only to see that the League consists of Batwoman, a female Flash, Wonder Warrior, and Black Condor, who is still basically wearing Black Canary's costume, minus the fishnets, which looks really weird on Odude. Superman takes off to space, to return to his own world, but finds his path blocked by an invisible barrier that even he can't see with his supervision, and he can't punch through even with his most super of super punches. This leads him to believe that this is all actually some kind of a trap, and heads back down to Metropolis for further investigation. His first stop is the Daily Planet Morgue, for a crash course in the history of this world. But in size... in size... But inside, he sees Clara Kent going through some files as Ginny lets her know that Penny is looking for her. Thinking that she must have ducked in there to change back to Clara after her Superwoman rescue, Superman is then shocked to see Superwoman fly by overhead. X-ray vision shows that Clara is completely human and is apparently doing some kind of article about Superwoman as she's looking through what amounts to who's who pages about some of her enemies, including Leslie Luther, Mr. Mixias Pitalik, the Toy Woman, and Bazaris. When Superwoman flies by again, Superman decides to confront her. When she sees him, she is not surprised to see a Superman, but uses the opportunity to try to capture him, since he is the most dangerous outlaw the Earth has ever known. Superman is starting to figure out what's going on, but before he can do anything about it, Superwoman kicks him into a building. Then he gets a nice punch to the gut by Superboy, complete with poofy shirt and hot pants. Before both heroes hit him with a super double whammy. This double whammy gave or gives Superboy enough time to place a helmet on the stunned Superman's head, while Superwoman explains that she contacted him via <sighs> Super Telepathy. Then, after locking the helmet in place, Superwoman releases the kryptonite gas into it. It's not strong enough to kill him or permanently damage the Man of Steel, but it is enough to weaken him and cause him to pass out until his body can adjust to the lack of power, which he quickly does. When he wakes up, he's in the Mojave Desert, uh, where he will remain chained up until an international tribunal at the UN convenes to try him for his global crimes. JLA members will guard him in 12-hour shifts, starting with Wonder Warrior. As Superwoman flies off, Superman notices the sunlight glinting off of his helmet and uses it, along with some super ventriloquism, to lull, war wonder, bleh, to lull Wonder Warrior into a trance-like sleep. Next up, he conveniently sees buzzards flying overhead looking for a meal. Fortunately, he still has enough super willpower somehow left in his body to stop his heart and simulate death. When one buzzer comes down to investigate, Superman lifts his head so that it hits the buzzard in the beak. In pain and frustration, the buzzard lashes out, pecking at Superman's helmet until it shatters, allowing the gas to dissipate into the air and allowing Superman's powers to return. But just as he breaks out of his chains, he finds himself ensnared by Wonder Warrior's lasso, which, much like Wonder Woman's lasso, means that it, its magic powers also work on Superman, giving Wonder Warrior control over him if he issues a command. But, before the Lasso Slinger can issue a command, Superman spins at super speed, which causes the Lasso to wrap up around his body and draw Wonder Warrior into his punch, knocking him out. 
Next, he creates a giant crayon at super speed and removes an advertisement from a billboard outside of Metropolis and writes a message on it to the only being who could pull off such a fantastic hoax, Mr. Mixias Pitalik. The imp pops in and says, hello, wondering how Superman figured it out. While the Man of Steel informs the imp that it was because Mixie was the only one of his male enemies who, was, who had not become female, he also thinks to himself that another clue was that Superwoman and Clara Kent were two different people, since Mixie doesn't know that he is also Clark Kent. Next, Superman wonders why Mixie did all of this, and he tells him about how his wedding turned out. Since the marriage took place under false pretenses, it wasn't binding. So Mixie had his marriage annulled, but he was still depressed. A depression only made worse by the fact that Superman was still in a loving relationship with Lois Lane. So, he decided to not only put Superman in a world where there was no Lois, but where he would always be a criminal on the run. Mixie then decides it's time to leave, but before he can fully dematerialize, Superman grabs Wonder Warrior's lasso out of his cape pouch at super speed and ensnares Mixie, commanding him to rematerialize and then to say, Kill Tipsy's him. With Mixia's Pitalik headed back to the fifth dimension, everything returns to normal, and time returns or and time turns back to before he arrived, meaning that Superman needs to show up at WGBS as Clark before he's late for work. But when he enters the Daily Planet offices, he once again sees Lewis Lane, only to discover that this Lewis is actually Lois's cousin from Pittsdale. Now this was a fun little story. Uh, let's start off looking at the cover we have. Superwoman, in uh, basically Superman's costume. We have Superboy in, in basically Supergirl's costume, but the neckline doesn't go quite as far down. And Wonder Warrior. Now, he's wearing Wonder Woman's costume, but he's also got these white tights underneath, so, you know, so he's not like almost completely as naked as Wonder Woman is. And that is something that sticks around throughout the whole issue. But, and then at the bottom, we've got Superman looking very frustrated and shaking his fists. And as, as they're flying in to, get, to catch him, Superwoman says, You're washed up, Superman. From now on, we're taking over. And Superman says, Has the whole world gone mad? Or have I? And the cover copy says, Look what's happened to Earth. Superwoman replaces Superman. Superboy for Supergirl. Wonder Warrior for Wonder Woman. That's about it. It's it's an interesting cover. It would have been nice if there was a background. Definitely would have uh, gotten my attention if I saw it on the newsstand or at the comic shop. So I guess that means it worked. Uh, let's see. Now, of course, they don't make a, spe a big deal about the fact that Clark's working at the Daily Planet, but, you know, since they assume you kind of have read something or somewhat keeping up with it, or have seen the movie, that you would know about it. The art, by the way, is much better here, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, now obviously I'm guessing this guy's supposed to be the male version of Gladys, but I don't know. Uh, it is kind of weird to see Clark just kind of barge into the city room, because this is Clark, you know, Clark. Uh, but seeing Lewis and Jenny and Penny, it, it is funny, Penny White is still wearing a purple suit with a skirt. Uh... Jenny is still wearing a bow tie and a plaid green jacket. Uh, the only big difference is Lewis Lane is he's not wearing like a magenta suit. He's wearing brown. Uh, let's see. And then Clark leaves. And of course, the window washer is also female. I don't know how common that was back then, but 
I mean, obviously it makes sense if all the roles are reversed. It's amazing how slow Clark moves here. It doesn't look like he would have had time to actually change and get to the window washer if he only had his tie barely loosened by the time Superwoman caught her. Uh, but on the cover, the way, or not the cover, but the way uh, Kurt Swan draws Superwoman, the neckline plunges a little further down than it does on the cover. Like, the cover still has it pretty high up, like Superman's. And this version, it uh, well, she, she shows a little cleavage. Personally, I'm I'm not going to complain too much, but yeah. Uh, when we see the female version of the Justice or the reversed version of the Justice League, um, let's see, the Bat Batwoman looks pretty much like you would expect, except uh, her dark hair is coming out of the mask like Batgirl's. Um, Flash's costume is exactly the same, other than the you know the female figure. Uh, black condor now because of the angle he's standing and his leather jacket i don't know how the top half looks uh but this does look very weird for a dude to be wearing especially he's got the swashbuckler boots and then no pants it just looks a little yeah uh but moving right along uh let's see then we get the scene with uh, Clara looking at the who's who entries. It very much is the who's who entries. Obviously, there'd be more villains. I don't know why we don't get to see more. But then again, uh, Parasite would still look female. Um, you know, Metallo probably would still look female. But the names would stay the same. Uh, the the Mixias Pitalik thing is pretty subtle. It's just, it just doesn't say Mister. It just says Mixias Pitalik. But Leslie Luther Toy. I don't know why Bizarre S. I'd say Bizarro would still work for that one. But I'm guessing it's because the other heroes' names wouldn't really change, so that's why they're, or the other villains' names wouldn't change, so that's why we don't get to see them. Uh, I've got to tell you, though, when I first saw, read this, I was very shocked when uh, Superwoman recognized Superman, because that just didn't make sense. Oh, the other thing that's annoying, uh, because Superwoman is a girl, she has heels on her boots. Because uh, she can't just have regular boots like Superman. She's got to have the heels because she's a girl. I don't believe she has that on the cover. Let me check that real quick. No, she does not. So that's unfortunate. Especially once, you know, Supergirl doesn't have boot, uh, heels on her boots. But anyway, uh, that's beyond the point. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, uh, the way Superman gets out of the traps pretty smart. Uh, it's really quick. I mean, they barely have him in there, but I don't know how. I guess he couldn't have used super hypnosis if he didn't have his powers, but he still was able to hypnotize Wonder Warrior, who you think would be better at noticing something like that for a superhero like that, but I guess not. Also, I don't know that the buzzard would have checked on Superman so quickly without like him decomposing a little bit, so I don't know how accurate that was. But like I said, I'm no expert on things. Uh, the idea of drawing Wonder Warrior in at super speed thanks to the lasso was actually pretty cool. Although I would have thought that Wonder, War Wonder Warrior would probably, you know, let go at some point. But I guess not. And the way the way it's drawn on the next panel, um, Superman flies off. He doesn't have the... While the helmet's been busted, the locking mechanism for the helmet is still around his neck. And when Superman flies off... 
you don't really think about it, but the locking mechanism is no longer around his neck, and you see him putting something in his cape. But when you fly off, you still, or as he flies off, you still see something wrapped in a circle near Wonder Warrior, and you think that's the lasso. But then once they reveal that it's that he's got the lasso, you can look and realize that it's the uh, locking mechanism laying on the ground next to Wonder Warrior. So it's kind of a subtle thing they did. That's I like that. That's kind of cool. Uh, I also like that this is a bit of a um, sequel to that last story we covered. Uh, I, I definitely would not have expected it, but it's really cool that they went ahead and did that. Uh, so, yeah. Yay! Uh, unfortunately, this means that, uh, starting with last episode, uh, Mixie's going to be a factor in every story we cover, basically until the end of the show. So... That was not intended, but it just kind of works out that way. But that's it for my notes. Uh, we'll, when I return, we will take a look at the ads and the issue. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. December 7th. Earth 2. 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at TwoTrueFreaks.com. Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring the thrilling adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, the Schuster Herald Podcast, it's Superman, the Carousel Podcast, the Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen Podcast. The world's best podcast and Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, 
Charlie Niemeyer. J. David Weeder. Jeffrey Taylor. Michael Bailey. Scott Gardner. Sam Rizzo. Danny Sapp. Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac. I'm Adam. Dave Eunice and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. All right, the ads. Uh, inside front cover, O.J. Simpson is trying to get people to buy cowboy boots. Yep. I uh, don't really have much to say because, yeah. Uh, moving right along, we have Hubba Bubba Bubblegum ads. Uh, gum fighting do's and don'ts. Uh, it's showing you exactly the proper way to blow bubbles and stuff like that. I, yeah. Uh, also, OJ tries to sell you spot-built cleats. I'm guessing OJ was pretty popular for a good reason back at this point. Uh, this would have been based on the colors they used in the inside front cover ad. He was with the San Francisco 49ers at this point as a running back. So this would have been later in his career because uh, he started off with the Buffalo Bills. I think that's when he was at his best, or considered to be at his best. Uh, next up, we have a Hostess Cupcake ad. Once again, I do not have this already recorded thanks to Mike and Scott. So once again, I will be unfortunately acting this out. Uh, mostly unfortunate for you because you have to listen to me talk. Uh, it's Batman in Catman on the Prowl. We start off with Batman being attacked by a couple of Panthers saying... Something tells me my old enemy, the Catman, is on the prowl tonight. And on a cliff overhead, we see Catman very much wearing his variation on, Super, on Superman, on Batman's costume, holding two more cats back, saying, Like you, Batman, my cats and I prefer the darkness, but I fear you won't come away from this encounter unscratched. Off somewhere else, uh, Robin's looking over the situation and says, Uh-oh. Batman's already got his hands full, and Catman can let more man-eaters loose any time. A cataclysmic situation, because it's Robin, and he's got to put a punt. So Robin swings down from the overhead cliff and says, Catman, here's something that will appeal to your love of darkness, so call off your cats. And he tosses him a couple of Hostess cupcakes. Catman takes them and says, Hostess cupcakes. Dark, chocolatey cake. Deep, dark, chocolatey icing. Cream-filled, too. And then the dynamic duo wrap Catman up with the leashes from the cats and have him tied to a tree as well as the cats. And he's just standing there eating the hostess cupcakes. And as the heroes drive off in the Batmobile, Batman says, Smart move, Robin, using Catman's love of darkness to get his mind off me. I think he'll be going to the dogs, I mean jail, from now on. And you get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Cupcakes. There is nothing in this ad to indicate that the police have been notified. So it looks like they've tied Catman and his cats up to a tree and are going to leave them there to die. I know they don't because it's Batman, but still, that's what it looks like. Moving right along. Uh, this is this is a full-page ad for Wonder Woman. This is only the beginning for the all-new Wonder Woman. Three sensational issues that will change the life of the amazing Amazon forever. Wonder Woman 269 is on sale on April 10th. 270 is on sale May 8th. And 271 is on sale June 12th. An epic adventure you'll never forget. And I don't know exactly what happens, but in the first issue, 
Wonder Woman decides that she's had her fill of the evils of man's world and quits. Also, if that wasn't enough, The Huntress gets a backup series in Wonder Woman. Looks like that's going to start with 271. Uh, next, we have a Bubble Yum ad. The newest number yum is Wild Cherry Bubblegum. Uh, basically, it's very cartoony art with everyone at the fair. Next is a full-page ad. The world's greatest fight is in the works. Superman and the amazing Spider-Man pursue evil side by side. They're up against the villainy of Doctor Doom and the Parasite. They get a little help from Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk. The top creative talents in comics join forces to bring you the comic book event of the year. Watch for it this summer. It's a really cool image, and it's a good teaser ad. Uh, I really feel bad. I did get to cover the first chapter, but I didn't get to cover the second team up with the two of them. Other things got in the way. I would have loved to have had Josh Bertoni and Don back on to cover that, but unfortunately, we I just couldn't. Uh, nothing. I just had too many other plans come up. Is really what happened. Uh, I never even mentioned it to them again. Uh, but it has been covered. Uh, Two True Freaks did cover it on an issue of, on an episode of Back to the Bins, back when Scott and Mike were the main guys. I think they got uh, they brought in Chris to help them with that. Uh, so if you can find that, go check that out. It's a good story. It's actually better and got has more story to it than the first team up did. So I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, next up, NPC has models that can turn your room into a black hole. Basically, it's spaceships and robots and stuff. Next is a half is two half page ads. The top half is for two different issues of DC Comics Presents. Number 23 features Superman and Dr. Fate. Uh, number 24 features Superman and Dead Man. That one I have. That one has a cover and interior art by Jose, Le Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. It is really cool. Uh, the Dr. Fate one I've never read. But uh, it has a story by Denny O'Neill and Joe Staten, so that more than likely looks really good, uh, and probably reads pretty good. Uh, the Lynn Ween and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, story is the Dead Man one. Uh, that comes out May 8th. The Dr. Fate one comes out on April 10th. Uh, highly recommended reading. They will be covered on future episodes of the DC Comics Presents show by our friend Russell D. Bragg. The Legend of the Batman continues. The concluding two issues of an epic of extraordinary excitement. The collector's item of 1980, The Untold Legend of the Batman. The following, the final two issues are by Lin Wein and Jim Aparo. Uh, number two comes out on May 22nd, and number three comes out on June 26th. Both have covers by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name, and both of them also look cool. I have the first and second issues. I have not been able to get a hold of the third issue without buying the first two. Again, don't see a reason to do that. Yeah, that's a good story. Most of it doesn't doesn't really work anymore because of all the changes. Well, one that happened post crisis, and two the stuff that's happened now in the new Fifty Two. But uh, it's a great telling of the origin of Batman while also dealing with a current ongoing mystery. It's really cool. I highly recommend it. Uh, the next ad page is basically for uh, those strategic historic war game tabletop things that I'd never get into. Uh, 
I don't even get to the vi through the into the video game kind because I don't they're they bore me. But some people like these things, so if you do, there you go. Uh, hodgepodge page ad. Skipping that. Next page, top half is for grit. The bottom half is presenting a golden opportunity. You can sign up now and become a charter member of the Superman Club. Your special membership package will include not only a, the poster, newsletter, and iron-on and other goodies that regular members will receive, but a gold membership card and certificate with a special number giving you a discount on Superman items and also a book cover and gold decal. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime chance for only $3. The image is basically a Superman drawn by Kurt Swan and uh, Murphy Anderson back in the early 70s holding up a globe, which I believe was actually for uh, used for the Amazing World of DC Comics or the Amazing World of Superman. Uh, I believe Amazing World of Superman. But this time, the Amazing World of Superman has been taken out and replaced with a DC Bullet logo, Superman, and the word club. Not bad. The next page has some artwork that I don't recognize. It's not all that great, but then again, it's teeny tiny little headshots. They look like stamps because it says you'll put your stamp of approval on DC's added attractions. Eight new pages of comics in every issue. You'll want to collect them all. These DC stars can't be licked, but you're bound to be stuck on them. <laughs> get get it? Because... Back then, you licked your stamps. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, the, the comics at DC are about to get a price hike, which will add eight new pages of comics to every issue temporarily. And these are just letting you know about all of the cool backup features that will be joining the comics. Adam Strange will be appearing in Green Lantern. Airwave and the Atom will be appearing in alternating issues of Action Comics. Batman and Robin will be appearing in Batman. Right. Aquaman will be appearing in Adventure Comics. The Huntress will be appearing in Wonder Woman. Firestorm will be appearing in The Flash. Whatever happened to Our Man, Sargon the Sorcerer, and Kongorilla and other heroes will be appearing in DC Comics Presents. Um, which will not only will be uh, part of Russell Bragg's show, but I, 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 I'm guessing, but I hear it's also going to be another new series of shows done by the guys over at the Fire and Water podcast. So make sure you check that out, too. Uh, Nemesis, a new hero, will be appearing in The Brave and the Bold. The Wonder Twins, Jack O'Lantern, hero of Ireland, and the Sephiroth, hero of Israel, will all be appearing in alternating issues of Super Friends. Scalp Hunter will be appearing in Jonah Hex. Remember when there were two separate books? Like three episodes ago. Uh, the world of Krypton and other surprises will be appearing in Superman. Crypto the Superdog, the misadventures of Superbaby, and other surprises will be appearing in alternating issues of the new adventures of Superboy. Omac will be appearing in Warlord. That's a good spot, I guess. And Enemy Ace will be appearing in Unknown Soldier. Omac in Warlord? Eh. That doesn't seem to make sense, but I don't know where else you'd put them. Uh, then you get another two pages of letters uh, all about Superman number 344, which was a kind of Halloweenish story by Len Wein and Paul Levitz, apparently. Uh, let's see. And there's an ad at the bottom of the page. The Super Teen Super Team that you've demanded is back. The all-new Titans are coming, exploding everywhere this summer. Just watch for them. And they've got some terrible artwork of Robin 
Actually, Robin doesn't look too bad. They have Kid Flash, who they've given blonde hair and a red mask. So whoever colored it did not understand. Uh, then you have your Super Gifts and Gimmicks ad. Uh, the inside back cover is for Little Leaguers, you know, to buy the new Bat Rack, which looks like bats with nails so you can put your bat batter's glove. Batter's glove? Not your batter's glove. Your catcher's, your mitt, your hat, uh, your ball, and a bat. It's kind of cool. You can hang it up on your wall. It keeps things all together ready for you to go play. And the back uh, uh, the back cover is a comic strip uh, from Spalding, presenting Street Ball with Rick Barry and Dr. J. Basically, it's uh, them playing basketball with some kids using some Spalding basketballs. Yep. And uh, let's see. Uh, you can even look for signatures at your sporting goods stores. Other autographed balls are signed by Wilt Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Pistol Pete. I don't know if it's the same Pistol Pete, but uh, our local team, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, Pistol Pete is their mascot. I know Pistol Pete's actually the mascot of several other schools, too. So this could be different. This could be actual person, too, for all I know. I don't know. I don't know much about basketball circa 1980. I do know these guys don't play anymore. Neither do Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, or Wilt Chamberlain, but I know they were some of the greats. But that's it for that. Next up, we'll look at the Elsewhere in the DC Multiverse. Uh, starting off in publication order, I believe. Yep. We're going to start off with Batman number 325. By the way, I have to say, the big change that's happened in the year since, last, uh, ish, since the last episode. Wow. There's more issues to cover. Uh, more stuff's going on. Some big changes have occurred. This is interesting. But anyway. Uh, Batman number 325. Death 20 stories high. Uh, apparently Jim Gordon's going to get killed. And Batman has to save the day. Uh, by Roger McKenzie, Irv Novick, and Steve Mitchell. Kind of a cool cover by Jim Aparo. With Batman lurking over some sniper guy. Who not only has a... Well, he's running around in an orange jumpsuit because you do that when you're a sniper uh, with a big shotgun and the bat signal shining in the background. Even the shipping containers behind them say Levitt's on them because he's the editor at the time. So, uh, let's see. DC Best of DC Digest number 6 presents 10 front page stories starring Superman and Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and Clark Kent. It's got a cool cover by Ross Andrew and Dick Giordano of basically Superman flying into the window of the da in through the window of the Daily Planet while behind them Perry is working at his desk. Looks like he wants to say Great Caesar's Ghost or for more modern people uh, Great Shades of Elvis but back at the time it was Great Caesar's Ghost. Uh, while Jimmy Olsen's standing behind him looking at some papers. Lois is putting on makeup because she's a girl. And in the front Clark is kind of surprised to see Superman flying in. Moving right along, DC Comics presents number 23, The Curse Out of Time, which is that tale I was telling you before with uh, a team-up of Superman and Dr. Fate. Another digest. This time, it's DC Special Blue Ribbon Digest number 3, featuring the Justice Society of America. Uh, let's see, Flash number 287, 
Dr. Alchemy and Mr. Desmond. In this issue, Flash finds out the identity of Dr. Alchemy and is shocked to find out who it is. Justice League of America number 180. The Justice League goes up against a beautiful evil. The cover is by Jim Starlin. It's not a bad looking cover. Looks like the Justice League are going up against some ghosts, maybe? Superman Family number 202. Supergirl is in the dynamic duel. Mr. and Mrs. Superman against the man who discovered kryptonite. Clark Kent innocent beyond a reasonable doubt. Lois Lane, swan dance for a girl reporter. And Jimmy Olsen, the reporter nobody knows. You ever want to see Lois as a ballerina? This is your chance. Wonder Woman number 269. Return to Paradise Island by Jerry Conway, Jose Delbo, and Bob Smith. This is what I was telling you about. Apparently, uh... Wonder Woman's going to retire and return to Paradise Island. So that's cool. It's got a really cool cover by Ross Andrew and Dick Giordano. Wonder Woman's leaving. She's thrown her lasso away. She's taking the tiara off. She's walking away. There's crowds of people behind her in front of the United Nations building. It's actually a really cool cover. Next up, Action Comics number 509 is the Gray Space... The Grace? The Great Space Travel Hoax. I don't know what's going on here because I haven't read this issue yet, but... Superman has exiled a bunch of people in a dome building out into space for their own good. Next is Adventure Comics number 473, which is no longer a dollar comic and no longer carries as much stuff as it used to. Now it only covers Plastic Man, uh, who at the time was somewhat popular due to his cartoon series, and the alien version Starman. Twix, and the story he's in is Twixt Hammer and Anvil. The Plastic Man story doesn't really have a title um, for whatever reason. But it is also by Marty Pasco, so should be it should be pretty good. Uh, the Mystery of the Mobile Museum is the title for Brave and the Bold 164, featuring a team-up of Batman and Hawkman. By the way, the story is by J.M. DeMatteis, the art is by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. So the cover is by Jim Aparo. Garcia Lopez does the art. And Dimateus, I don't know what his writing was like back then, but he's, from what I've heard and what I've read, a pretty solid writer, so it can't be a terrible story. I like Hawkman, too. He's kind of cool. Uh, Detective Comics number 492 is still a dollar comic. Five new thrillers starring the, starring the Batman family. Although the Batman family portion has been kind of taken away from the logo now. It's got a cool Jamaparo cover. He's holding up Batgirl's costume. And the, there's a television from the Expositional News Network in the front. Uh, or in front of him that says, The bullet-riddled costume of Batgirl was found in the streets of Gotham late last night. Uh, and it's an extra-long thriller, The End of Batgirl. Plus Robin, Man Bat, and more. And when we say more, we mean... Tales of Gotham City. Whatever that means. Uh, let's see. Green Lantern has now gotten his book back. Green Arrow is no longer appearing in it at all. Uh, the main story has Green Lantern going up against Sonar's Sonic Atomic Attack. Uh, which has a cover, by the way, by Brian Boland. Or Brian Boland, however you want to say it. It looks really cool. Uh, and then it's got a backup feature for of the Green Lantern Corps. Next up, Legion of Superheroes, which Superboy left several issues ago. Uh, the Legion goes up against the Brigadoon Syndrome. 
which is really cool. It's got a cool Dick Giordano cover, so everyone looks nice. The New Adventures of Superboy number seven, which is where Superboy went. Um, and this is, of course, the series I was, I've been talking about. This is the series that I purchased right after the death of Superman. Uh, Superboy goes to a planet where the planet is condemned. Apparently, there's some kind of radiation coming to the planet, and Superboy's Kryptonian body absorbs it. It doesn't hurt them, but it saves the people of the planet. And Superboy has to figure out a way to save them and not have to stay stuck on the planet. And you know he's got to because, obviously, he's Superman on Earth. So how does he do it? Well, you've got to read to find out. This is the since this was the last one to feature it, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about another story that's in the uh, several of the issues this month had one of those Radio Shack Texas Instrument bo uh, books. Uh, they had those Tandy computers, so Superman was helping to advertise those in a story by Carrie Bates, Jim Starlin, and Dick Giordano. Apparently, it, was, it might have also been like, considering it had artwork like a full-on cover, I'm guessing it was also one of those free comics they probably handed out at the store. But basically, it was a story to try to sell the computers to kids. Uh, nothing about games or anything cool like that. Basically, just how smart the computers are and how you can program them to do things. And uh, yeah, they actually made two stories. This was the first one. A few years later, they'll make a second one with Superman and Wonder Woman teaming up against Luther. Maybe just Luther. Yeah, that's in a special story all of its own, too. Um, but yeah, it's really cool, though. Um, well, not really, but whatever. Uh, Super Friends number 34. Uh, Super Friends are up against the creature who slept a million years. You know, this is another Ramona Freyden cover. Superman doesn't look bad. Wonder Woman I can't really make out too well, but Batman's swinging in here pretty cool. It's definitely not a terrible cover. I like it. This creature looks like a horse, but it keeps changing its form and shape, and its eyes are bugging out. It's weird. Uh, and then, finally, Untold Legend of the Batman number one, which is in the beginning of this issue, unlike the other two, which I already mentioned, this issue was penciled by John Byrne and inked by Jim Aparo. Apparently, John thought that this was a full-on new story, not a retelling of what has already come to pass, so after the first issue, he kind of bugged out. But um, the first issue is pretty amazing. Uh, the other two issues are also awesome. This one's just, I don't know, something about the combination of Burn and Aparo. Just looks really cool. Not that Aparo by himself is a slouch. I'm just, just saying. Uh, but it's got a really cool Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, cover. Uh, basically, it's a, it looks like there's this giant book with Batman's image on the front. And the Joker, Riddler, and Penguin are going to open it up to learn about the secrets of Batman. The other two covers have nothing to do with this. This is not anything that actually happens because they're really not even present during the story, other than I think we get the origin of Joker in one of the issues. But that's about it. Well, that's going to do it for another exciting episode of Superman in the Bronze Age. Next up, we're going to travel even further into the future, sort of, as I'm going to be joined by a special guest. And we will be taking a look at the DC Retroactive book, that was published in 2011, written by Marty Pasco, that took place during the Bronze Age of the 70s. So we will take a look at that next time. Until then, my name is Charlie D. Meyer, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Show notes can be found at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. 
Also, we have a Facebook fan page where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Feel free to like us there. Want to comment on the episode you just heard? Email the show at superbronze1970 at gmail.com. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. <laughs>